We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now that I'm safely out of the country, Arsenal are ready to go to the United States. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. I am in Portugal, happily on vacation, holiday, as you might say, with my family. Um, and so it is safe and clear for Arsenal to travel to the United States. And getting all the messages of people saying, will I see you in Orlando? Will we see you in Baltimore? And um, yeah, I feel conflicted, as I mentioned on the last podcast. But my parents turned 80 last year. And so my parents and myself, my wife, and my two little daughters are off in Portugal. And it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime trips that makes you think, you know, how special life can be and how important it is to cherish these moments and how much I wish I could be at a preseason match for Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just call it like it is, right? You, you know where my head's at at all times. Um, look, I've been holding off on doing the Paqueta scouting video for patrons. I, I don't know how much longer I can hold off, guys. I know it is a jinx waiting to happen, but a man's got to do what a man's got to do. So uh, we're going to do a quick two-hander today, meaning that it'll just be myself and Clive. We will cover really the only two topics that are, I, I think, on the agenda today, one transfer rumor and the, and the squad for the tour, and then take a few questions that I asked for late in the game. So I apologize if we don't get to many of them because I only asked for it last minute because I realize we're a little short on major news right now. So here with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, good. One thing I do want to mention, I don't exactly have the blueprint of it ready yet, but we're going to do um, a special series uh, for patrons on the All or Nothing series when it comes out. Uh, on Amazon. I mean, obviously, to the extent that there's newsworthy stuff that we cover on the main pod, we will. But I think it'd be fun to do sort of like watch along and have a little series to to cover what's going on in the Amazon series when that comes out, because I think it could be a fun one. We'll also, on the main feed, have a World Cup daily with Phil Costa when the World Cup comes around this season. So we have a lot of stuff in the works that I think will be a lot of fun. So we just really appreciate it for you being here. And um, as I always say, we love you. Thank you so much. So, okay, Clive, let's start with the tour squad. And uh, Arsenal have made their way to the to the United States. They play Everton uh, Saturday evening U.S. time, late Saturday night um, European time. 
And, you know, the squad is kind of a mix. I mean, we've taken players on tour that I don't think will be a part of the team this season. Um, We've taken players on tour that obviously are key parts of the team this season. Do you have any sort of initial reactions, a player that maybe you think, huh, wasn't expecting him to go, or maybe a player that didn't go that you would have expected to be a part of the tour? Yeah, it's quite a few that I didn't think would go. It's, it's interesting, for example, how Spurs left a few people behind, like Winks and Lacelso, for example. People they, they want to see go. But we've taken all of our people that potentially could go in the next few days, you know. So Leno, for example, got a ten million offer from Fulham in his back pocket. He's on tour, right? So Torreira potentially got a pre-deal with um Valencia. Valencia. He's mm-hmm. on tour. Pepe, okay, I don't see much activity around Pepe. Mate, and Niles got one year to go in his contract rather than say sit at home and run around the field. He's on tour. Right, so it's a few like this. Renaissance on tour, you know, people that we're thinking they're not really part of this going forward. So it's interesting to see the way we we treat people, um, but it's also a little bit frustrating from a youth perspective. And we're really good at this. And I've been trying to work out why Sergio Bettino's not on tour. All right, so he's the golden boy, the next one, and I'm trying to work out why. He hasn't had a chance to have this experience. And is it because it's going to be a commercial tour and it, they think it's going to be much more that way inclined and rather do work with him? Or is it because they want to put these players who are going out the window in the shop window? You know, i am be trying to reason it with him in my mind. Um, it feels a little bit wrong to me, Elliot. You know, it feels a bit wrong to me that there's not one or two more youth players on that plane. I think it'd be valuable experience for them. But what he has done, sometimes it's it's simpler than that. I think he's basically bought the whole first-team squad plus one academy player. These are senior first-team pros in the first-team squad, and he's brought them all on tour, and he's added one academy player, Rural Walters. And how excited must he be feeling right now as a 17-year-old, right? So, And how excited should we start to feel about his talent? if he's been selected, so which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. So, yeah, that's where I feel on it, really. I think this I feel a little bit wrong. I'm trying to explain to myself, and I'm sure people listening thinking, we should have bought Patino. What are we doing? Get, he should be sitting where Runnison's sitting. And I can't mm-hmm. argue with that, right? That's just the that's just the fan's view, and I think it's uh, one to be explained, hopefully, going forward. It's really hard to say, right, because I, I, I presume that if – Patino had a role to play in the first team, you know, that was substantial. I, I, I can't see Premier League, but even like Europa League squad or something like that, I think you'd want him to get some playing time in preseason with the first team. There are reasons a player can be left back that we're not aware of. Maybe there's a slight issue with the thigh and they just want him to stay in the gym. And, you know, he's doing such a good job with his his fitness work that that's where they want him to focus. And the the attention and the, the chaos of a, of a tour in the United States is more than he's ready for. And they feel his development will be aided by staying back. I mean, you just don't know with this stuff. Um, but I think it's also important to remember We've had a lot of tours, Clive, where a young player has grabbed our eye, you know, has has captured our imagination and gone on to have no role whatsoever and never have any role whatsoever. Um, you know, we've had Reese Nelson Summers. We've had Rio Miachi Summers, right? 
we've had Carlos Vela summers and Carlos Vela turned out to be a hell of a player, just not for Arsenal. The point is that like there, there is always with young players in particular, the danger of overestimating what a good summer means. Now we've also had good summers from young players in recent memory where it meant a lot, you know, whether that was Martinelli or Ganduzi, and you see them in the preseason, you think, well, they're probably not. Yes. Smith wrote, well, they're not going to play. And then sure enough, they do play and they play all the time and they're a critical part of the first team. So it is interesting. Is there, is there just, something that you want? Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Just on that point, I mean, I'm just trying to be consistent here because consistency is what we do. I think our last <laughs> well, podcast. Well, some, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think our last podcast was titled something like August Matters. Yeah, and. Not our the, last one, but one of the more recent ones. Yeah, yes, one of the more sure. recent ones. Yeah, <laughs> August Matters. The point in August Matters, it was the theme, really, mm-hmm. something yeah. like yeah. that. And, and look at, you know, maybe this is saying to everybody, August matters. Time for the big boys to be out here. We want to we be testing ourselves, not just on the pitch, but in training with all the senior pros to make sure we are sharp for Palace, Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham. Because we all think that's going to be, you know, we've got an opportunity for a good start. If you get that good start, the momentum could roll. And so it's not a time for children, not a time for development, it's a time for playing. I'm just trying to process it for myself, you know? And um, we all want these points. We, I've never felt we've been ready to start the season for a long time. And mm-hmm. this is maybe something they're trying to do, ready from day one. And I'm, I'll be, I'm all here for that, mate, all here for that. What, what do we need to accomplish in a successful preseason tour? I mean, I think for me, I've reached a level of maturity he says with no, <laughs> no self understanding whatsoever. <laughs> um, that this is a fitness exercise. It, it really is. I mean, I can remember seasons we'd go away to Germany with our Arsene Wenger and lose a preseason game to a German team from the fourth division, and people would freak out. And we'd start the season with five consecutive wins. Like it, I'm not, I'm not super concerned with how we play. I think the two things I'll look for, Clive. I'll look for groups. Can I spot any groups that he's putting out that look like a first team group or, you know, like, like are there certain players that are playing a lot of minutes in what looks like a group of first team players? And one of those for me would be like Fabio Vieira. Like, is he, is he being included on the pitch with other players that make it look like he's more in the plan? And again, that could wind up being a, a, a false positive so to speak if if we um if we see that it could, it could be nothing so I'll, I'll look for groups and i'll look for systems do we try a back three more this summer you know are there any hints about formation that maybe give us a sense of some things he's thinking about a little differently those would really be the two observations for me yeah are there players sliding into a group that look like it suggests they're closer to the first team and are there formations tactical tweaks adjustments that look like something we're working on for the season. I'm not super concerned in terms of the level of the performance or the results or anything like that. Yeah, well, that's very mature of you, Elliot. Very mature. I mean, I say it now, but the minute we lose to Everton (laughs) 1-0, I'm going to be Arteta out. Like immediately, we'll do an immediate instant reaction, Arteta out edition. Emergency podcast, right? So, um, so, yeah, I think there's two, two, yeah, I agree with that aspect 100%. So two players stand out to me that I'm, Going to cause ructions in the in the fan base, Saliba, right? So, 
if Saliba plays a five-yard pass in the right direction, it goes to the man and then drops off, receives it back, and then pops it out the other side, <laughs> well, we're going to be getting the, getting the, the bronze ready for the statue because we're ready for him, aren't we? We're ready for him. We are, yep. And how he's played, what who he plays for. The moment he plays and say, oh, Ben White sits down, oh, my God, that's it. It's over. We gotta play. What's gonna happen now? I mean, can you imagine changing it? of the guard? Yeah, can you imagine it? <laughs> so I'm really interested to see how he looks next to our players, so we can judge him, judge how he moves, how he moves the ball, everything about him. I can't wait to see that. And Fabio Vieira, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've watched everything like you have, and like everybody's listening has probably watched most of the clips. But what's he gonna do for us? Where's he gonna stand? How's he gonna play? How's he gonna combine? What's his first position, his second position? I want, I'm I'm here to learn. Do you see what I mean? I'm here to learn about him because I think he's just a I think he's a wonderful football talent that's ready to be molded. I think this is in such an intriguing signing to buy someone of slightly ahead of time, pay a decent price for him. He's obviously signed no flicker, no issues, no nothing. I'm signing. There's a plan there that I don't think many of us are aware of at the moment. And I'm really interested yeah. to see what happens with him. Yeah, and I have to say, like, this is an area where you can jump to conclusions. But to your point about, like, a Vieira, if he's on the pitch at the same time as Odegaard versus if we see routinely that he's the substitution for Odegaard, right? The, those are those will lead to different conclusions, right? So if, or let's say he comes on for Saka, like if his primary role in this tour is he's either subbed on for Saka on the right wing or he's subbed on for Odegaard as the right eight, then we'll say, okay, Vieira is sort of a right-sided hybrid eight slash winger who's probably going to play Europa League games. Whereas if he's on the pitch at left eight when Odegaard's right eight, then we're going to think, okay, he may be someone who's going to be an alternative to Shaka in that role. And by the way, same with Smith Rowe. Will we see Smith Smith Rowe play as an interior in this preseason more? Will he get reps at that position? Because we know the tail end of last season is really hard to interpret because we were very, very close to top four. And I think Arteta was taking a hands-off approach to some extent saying like, I don't want to touch this. We're close. It's working. I'm going to try to leave it. And then a spate of injuries hit. And I don't know if we ever really saw what he wanted to do. This preseason, we may get a sense that like, He's prepping Smith-Rowe to come inside more, or he's prepping Vieira to be on the pitch with Odegaard. Now, those conclusions, again, can be false positives that we that we are jumping to because preseason doesn't have to mean anything. For some players, especially players in their late 20s, for example, it is really just a fitness exercise. But I do think that that's, that's a relatively fair conclusion to reach, you know, that, that we can start to get a sense of those kind of roles. Yeah, I mean, in the Nuremberg game, uh, we ended the game in a, almost like a 3-3-4 three, three, you know and mm-hmm. we played two strikers right so you can, you can see that happening you know in a in a match when we're behind we have two strikers on the pitch we really do load the top end of the pitch so again will he do look at those different types of scenarios will he I'm interested to see the I, I'm a back three fan and I think there are times to use it I don't want to use it all the time I think 4-3-3 three, three is proper, you know, proper adult football but I also feel sometimes you have to feel the game, feel the moment where you need to set your stall out. And I'm not saying a back three could easily be a back five. And sometimes people see back three as a defensive, but actually you're showing people your corners and you're showing areas where they can hit. 
depending on how you balance your wing backs, for example. So lots of teams do a 5-3-2 to have a look at a game, you know, have two strikers and keep things narrow and almost have a front four square and, and really drive down the middle of a pitch. So there's so many different scenarios. I, I'm so interested to see how we use them. And we have these options. Odegaard playing left eight, not Odegaard playing right eight. Is that something we mm. want to do? Will that be, will that define our transfer business? Has our transfer business been delayed because we need to sell a few people? You know, that's why you've got people in the background. So, yeah, uh, Vieira's ability and mobility to underlap and overlap, where Odegaard doesn't really do that. He underlaps only. He doesn't go around Saka. So, again, that's a different penetration. It's a different attacking option. You know, so if we do add a left eight, what does that mean for everybody else? You know, I think it's I think it's it's interesting and exciting. The cake, the little icing on the cake, Elliot, it's not quite there, is it? We we lack a bit yeah. of sprinting speed on the outside of the pitch. If Saka decides to want to put his feet up, I feel still feel we we lack something. But now we're gonna see Vieira and see if that's an option. There's another way to play. You know, so this is the stuff where I think I never dismiss preseason. I think it's so informative. You see the experimentation, you learn about players, learn what they like, what they don't like, you learn what comes natural, what doesn't come natural. I This is the time when I really look hard, and a lot of, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I was confident about Ben White last year. I thought he'd be a fine player for us. And I learned that in preseason, in a game that we lost. Mm. You know, yeah. just watch. You will learn things in these games. You really will. Yeah, well said. So let's shift gears quickly because we're going to take some questions as well. Um, and, and there'll be more to pick out of preseason and the USA Tour as it develops. I mean, Clive, we are, depending on when you're listening to this, three weeks away from the season starting. It's it's almost impossible. It doesn't feel possible that we're just three weeks away from the season starting, but that is the case. And given that that is the case, and given that we've already talked about why the points in August matter this time, whereas obviously they didn't last time, um, he kids. Get me in trouble. There is, there is a big reward for getting your business done earlier. Now, some people, I, I made a point like this on Twitter, and some people rightly observed, well, we have a very good squad that can get the points in August. You know, this isn't like last season where, you know, we, we didn't have all our signings in, but we were, you know, we were a very, very bad skeletal squad. I mean, we have Tomiyasu and we have Ramsdale and we have Ben White and we have Odegaard and we, you know, we have all those critical pieces plus the ones we had before. Um, And we have Gabriel Jesus in the fold already and and Fabio Vieira. I, I think, I think what I'm trying to say though is the strongest version of Arsenal we can be in August will be a huge benefit to us because if it's that extra little bit of strength that, you know, it's that Tielemans edition or dare I say that Paqueta edition that helps us in one of those five August games get three instead of one or three instead of zero. We we know how fine these margins are from just last season and they're going to be fine again this season. So I, I do think there's still reason to try to do it sooner it's not to suggest we're as weak this august as we were last august we're not close to that we're much much stronger but but you want to be as strong as you can be because these are games these five games as we've touched on that we that we can win and that we should be shooting for winning all of them i mean we should shoot for winning all 38 in my opinion but but so how how do you how do you feel about the the paquetta rumors in particular it's it's the only one that i think is really of interest that's out in the ether 
Some people think it's nonsense. Some people don't. But in terms of whether he's the player that, that fits that need, I mean, can play left eight, can play false nine, can play as a winger. There's a, there's a lot of debates about who he is. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'll touch on Keta first. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, I do like this player a lot. And I like what he brings. And back into your world now, we've had discussions, me and you on here, nice polite discussions, maybe about <laughs> a slight disagreement on where the priorities are. And on whether it be as a wide forward or whether it be as a left eight, right? So basically we're both right. They're both priorities for us, really. Yeah. If Marquinhos is that guy that that can cover that, if Vieira, Marquinhos, Saka can cover that role, then that discussion's over, right? We'll find out in the, in the post-American tour. But the left eight discussion, that's staring us in the face. If we want to be who we want to be, we need to have more quality in that position. It's as simple as that. We're making do. Let's be honest. We're making do. We have a good character, good person, best trainer, leader, legend, all the rest, right? So, um, But when it comes down to playing the game of football, uh, it's a little bit Timberlandy, right? So it's, it, just, it just is. And the ability, when you look at, say, Tielemans or Paqueta, there's just more things, there's more possibilities there with the football. There just is. And I think we need a raise in technical level. And if we have that raise in technical level, you can't pin us, you can't kill our one side and allow the other side to beat us. It's almost like in basketball, and when they they let some guys free to take the shot because it ain't going in. Do you see what I mean? And they double team the guy that's real that's a real problem. We don't people double team our right hand side and kick it to death. And the left-hand side has, hasn't really kicked on. It, it hasn't. It's, it's to be developed. It is. And there's a cog there that needs to change, that we need to play through. And if we can play through to get through to Martelli or Smith-Rowe in a better way, and now we've got Jesus there as well that can combine, I think it, I think it's generally, I think it could be the key to the team. Underpinning that with inverted fullbacks and solidifying things, I think is also a change we could potentially see, right? So, so Paqueta, mate, honestly, he's got the personality like, like Odegaard's got. He brings it in, he, he moves it, he holds people off, he can post up, he can run, he can carry. His pressure data is really, really strong. He's far more two-way than I originally thought. I always saw him as a right winger and a step-over merchant, so stops the ball like Zahar, and then just puts it in the box and flashing shots and flashing... But actually, he's a he's a hard-working player. He's quite two-way, and I find him really interesting. But I also find what's more interesting to me is I think, much like how we all felt when we saw Jesus at centre-forward, I think we'll feel different if we see a, a left eight that can really, really play. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, Clive, like I think the Jesus thing I think is going to be relevant in other areas of the pitch. We get familiar with players, and we sometimes confuse, confuse familiarity with quality, right? Because yeah, we know yeah. their weaknesses and their flaws, and, and we've sort of normalized to them to the point where we just, we don't see them. You know, it's like it's like when you love someone deeply, like when you love a, a family member. Um, sometimes you, you've known them for so long and you love them so much that those little flaws that might be obvious to others, they, they, you just don't see them anymore. Or in some cases, you see them constantly and you wonder why you made such terrible life choices. You know, your <laughs> mileage may vary. But like, 
uh, you know, which I'm sure my wife experiences on the regular. But like, I do think that Jesus coming in, even in a preseason game, your eye opens and you're like, oh yeah, real quality. And then you're like, wow, we actually debated through most of the winter whether Lacazette was a good number nine. You know, and, and like not to, yeah. not to kick the guy, like he did he did a role we needed. But you see real quality, and immediately your eyes open. I do think if we got a more playmaking left sided midfielder, it would slap us in the face a little bit. Right. You know, if we got a Tielemans or a Paqueta who's a little more mobile and a little more fleet of foot and has the ability to provoke defenders into bad choices on the left side in a way that our current left-sided midfielder doesn't, I'm not saying we stop appreciating what we've gotten from that player, but I think we would immediately wake up to the opportunity it creates for us as an attacking force. And like we've all said on multiple occasions, the next step for Arteta in his process to, to win people over and continue to develop us is to get more goals, right? We need yeah. probably 15, 20 more goals this season, as crazy as that sounds. So, um, you know, that that's not just going to come from more people scoring them, although literally that is how it's going to come, but yeah. it's going to come from more people creating opportunities across the pitch for, for players to yeah. finish. So, yeah, that's I totally agree. I think, you know, my that, that one brain thing, you know, for all of what Shaka does for us, and it's not a Shaka podcast, right? The technical brain it has a limit, right? And and you can see it. And let's be honest, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Your gut feel is always right. When I saw Jesus on the pitch, my feeling was I had two immediate, immediate emotions, maybe two or three. Wow, what a player! How good we look with with a, with a proper forward. Is he, he's so good. I'm thinking, Kwaki, I want you to play every minute of every game. That's not possible. And by the way, can we get better people around him? Because we're going to need to, because he's that good. And that was my original thought, immediate. We need better people around him. Now, some of those players weren't available because they were, you know, not on the tour. So that's going to be another interesting byproduct of the, of the US tour. We've got more senior quality around. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they fit with him. But, mate, it just feels like there's one more. And if you get that one, I think, as you allude to, I think everything will become clearer, much clearer. All right. Well, let's do this. I, I think, um, firstly, we should do a Paquetta scouting video so we can end that rumor quickly so we don't have to see it no, drag I've on. I've got too many Twitter people telling us we shouldn't do it, Elliot. See, but people don't know what's best for them. They, they say they don't want us to do it, but really what they mean is they want us to do it. Um, okay. I tried, people. I tried. Let's dive into some questions. And and the first one I think is the most important one, so I'll get it right off the top, and it comes from John Redman on Twitter. Clive, why is his father's love conditional? Why? I don't get that question. <laughs> John, John, John wants to know why his father's love is conditional. I don't know. I mean, it should be unconditional. What, what do you think's going on there? I don't know. What do you, you think know, I am? If I had to guess... John, like I'll I'll take this one. Okay, I think good. he probably sees himself in you, and in that he sees all the opportunities he passed up and all the things he failed to achieve in his own life. He wants them for you, but if you don't achieve them, he can't feel good about himself. So that fulfillment is Beautiful. being passed down uh, generationally. And John, I think all you have to do is live your best life, and eventually your father will come around to realizing you're separate men, you're different people, and he can love you for who you are. So I hope that helps. Um, I think you, are you prepared for another podcast. one? Yeah, well, um, it is my, my, my forte is a little bit more football-orientated, but you carry on. You can see where we go. you, you got to be a man of all disciplines, my friend, in this day and age. A, a renaissance man, as they say. Okay, um, this one comes from Nick Caprara, and I think it's fair. 
Am I alone in looking at other clubs aging overpriced signings and not being worried and wondering why they don't get the media criticism we do? Mentioning no names, Spurs and Chelsea. I'm not so concerned about the media criticism side of it because who cares what the media thinks, but I am interested in his point about, you know, clubs going after some some aging and overpriced signings, Chelsea joining the Spurs bandwagon, but Chelsea probably even more. I mean, I don't know exactly what they're thinking there, but I've been reading a little bit of Chelsea Twitter and there's some concern there that maybe they've listened to me talk about age curves. What do you, what do you think about what's going on? Uh, someone at Spurs, but it's definitely at Chelsea. Yeah. So I, I know Nick, a long time supporter of the podcast. Um, what I will Hello, say is it's interesting how we get criticized for everything and how our deals get ripped apart. But let's take a step back. There's a, there's a little bit of transition going on in the, in the Premier League. You know, there really is. I mean, what's happening at Liverpool with, with Nunes coming, that's that's a big thing. I mean, Mane's been a major part of what they're doing. There's a big screen at Liverpool team. We need a midfielder. They're trying to develop a couple of youngsters in a guy called Morton and Harvey Elliott. And they're like going a little bit younger and they've got younger up front. And he's like, hmm, that's interesting. There's a bit of transition going on there. You know, they've re-signed Gomez, which I think is a very smart move. So they're making sure their back door's shut. But there is there's movement there. At City, you know, they've took out um, Sterling and Jesus, stick on 25, 26-year-olds, goals, assists, four Premier Leagues, each of them in their back pocket. And they've brought in Julian Alvarez and Haaland. Now, we think they're going to be great. They could both be world superstars, but we don't know. We don't know. Probably do know, but we don't know. Right? So um, at Chelsea, Los Rudiger, Los Rudiger, Los Christensen, they're bringing in Koulibaly, who's 31 on a lot of money, with Thiago Silva there. Oh, they must be thinking, what's what's going on? They can't get Kunde. They're looking at other players like Kimbembe. Kimbembe? He's all right, but it gives you a chance. Do, do, do you see what I mean? There's a transition there. In midfield, Kante's getting a little bit older. Please, Arsenal, don't buy him. His best days are gone. He's got a lot of miles on that clock. Right, so... You know, there's issues there in, in centre midfield. Obviously, up front, they're, they're trying to change things there. Spurs, Spurs are new darlings. Of, you know, they're the new darlings of the media. They can buy a 34-year-old left wing back and no one says a word, you know, because they've got Kane and Son. Pesuma fits them in their 3-4-3. He's, he's, he's more mobile than, um, than Hoiberg, for example. They love Hoiberg. They love Bentacore. they got Skip. they got Winks. They're solid. They're going to buy a right wing back. They've got a, a left centre-back in Clement Longley, who gives you a chance. Had a poor end towards his Barcelona on loan. Conte will run him and see what he's like, but he does fit their balance. The I think decide, he stinks. I just want to go on record saying I think yeah, he stinks. Yeah, I, I think he. I think that's an interesting selection, shall we say. I don't think so. Mm. I agree with you there, Elliot. So there's a level of transition here, and it's quite interesting that some teams just be prepared to say, now nah, I'm buying it. And I'm buying them old. I don't care. I know sports science has really changed, but yeah, I I like what we're doing. I want to see a 25 year old come in, though, mate. If I'm honest with you, I want to see a 25 year old come in. One, I'd like to, but I like where we are. I like what we're doing because the great you know development and future development is the fun of seeing players explode, right, and really push on. But interesting one transition. Premier League is in transition. I promise you. Yeah, I'll put it this way. I haven't seen any club yet make moves where my eyes get wide and I say, uh-oh. Now, I'm taking Liverpool and 
definitely City out of that equation because like they're already in another category. <laughs> like that's well, a category they are. you get they to. They are, but they're going through change. I didn't even mention Manchester United yeah. yet. They think of the change they're going through. Well, uh, yeah, I, they, I, they're squarely in the category two of another club that I'm like, I don't see anything that really scares me. And I'm on record having said, I don't think Lissandro Martinez will succeed as a center back in the Premier League. I may look very silly for that. But if that is their landmark central defensive signing, I think they're putting a lot of eggs in a basket that is a, is a small basket. It's a little yeah. basket, and it may not fit all the eggs they need to carry. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what the, what they did, um, I can't remember his name now, but there's a centre midfielder at Ajax that used to be a centre back. And what they would do, they would, mm-hmm. in possession, they would drop him into the centre, split the centre backs. And Martinez basically played like a a third centre back on the left hand side, you know, in that slot. Sort of like what zone. White did at Brighton then, yeah, a little bit. Very similar. But they'd start mm-hmm. in a four, mm-hmm. drop him in. In possession, so you have a three in your build-up, and he would ping it from the left-hand side, and then Julian Timber from the right-hand side, who's also quite small, and they will be your they will be your deep passing progressives, right? And so at Manchester United, what are they going to do? They're going to stick him there. What are they going to do? It's interesting what Ten Hag's going to do. Who's going to be their centre midfielder? Going to drop in Scott McTominay, you know, and who's going to do that role? So it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Um, Interesting player, him, tactically. I think he's in the hands of the manager. I agree with you. One to watch. If you're staying next to Harry Maguire, mate, let's see how comfortable you are in possession, shall we? Let's see if you can focus on things you want to focus on, you know? And to be fair to Harry Maguire, he's not bad at bringing the ball out. He's quite good. I can. He's just getting I back. I can picture a, a scenario where Harry Maguire has to lean over to hear what. what um, he's saying, right, what Lissandro Martinez is saying, because he's got to, like, lean over, down, bend down a little. And then the weight of Maguire's head starts him falling, and his head falls on top of Lissandro Martinez and crushes him. I could I could see that happening, and I, I think that would be a, a really bad situation for United. <laughs> Clive, uh, Crujo in our Discord asks, would you rather fight a Shaka-sized Torreira or a Torreira-sized Shaka? I think personally, you got to fight. That one. <laughs> the, you got to fight the Shaka size Torreira because I don't know that Torreira has the the mentality to take you out. A, a Torreira size Shaka is still Shaka, and the guy is just crazy. He's gonna he's gonna do you. He's gonna find a way to do you. So I I would fight the Shaka size Torreira. Now, to be clear, and I want to reemphasize this, my approach is I believe that I can run scared faster than you can run angry. So. I, I feel that I will be fine because I can run away scared very fast. Um, so I'll be fine in this. Okay. How about this? Um, Clive, Anon R, I don't know what that means, but he's in our Discord or this person is in our Discord and asks, since we don't seem to be able to sell players, which is a problem, which unwanted players might make our squad? And is there anyone that might do well with a second chance? Yeah, the first one that comes to mind to me, and um, maybe it's just my own biases, but I, I get annoyed by certain players, but none more so than Ainsley Maitland-Niles, really, because I think if you look at, say, Joe Willett, for example, right? Joe Willett suited Emery, didn't suit Arteta. We got paid for him. Sometimes you're in a room and you think, you know what, my super talent doesn't really fit this room. And I need to get out. And Smith Rowe suited the room, and Smith Rowe ended Joe Willett's Arsenal career. And that's that. That happens. Right? So he's moved on. He's going to be a fine professional in the Premier League. But 
Ainsley Niles with the use of inverted fullbacks. And you're looking at this guy who wants to be a midfielder, can play on the outside and on the inside, can be an inverted fullback on both sides. We have seen him do it in a cup final. On both on the left hand side of the pitch, he got picked for England in a cup final. Oh, sorry, he got picked for Arsenal in a cup final over Bukayo Saka because of his defensive play to stop counter attacks and to underpin Abamyang and make sure he didn't have to defend. He got picked for England as an inverted fullback on the left hand side. We play inverted fullbacks, mate. I just want to say to him, I just want to shake him. Say, can't you see? Can't you see the opportunity here? It, you don't have to change. Everything you do well fits this group. You don't get beaten in one-on-ones. You know how to move the ball as a midfielder because you trained as a midfielder. But you've also trained as a, as a wing-back and a full-back. So you can run around people. You can catch people. You can move the ball quickly off one, two touches. You need to play with a bit more intensity, a bit more urgency. You need to be switched on a bit more. But that's it. You're two-footed. I just look at you and think, I just want to scream. I want to scream at him and say, come on, somebody tell him what he could do. You know, somebody tell him. And obviously we're not aware of the relationships in the club and the agent relationships and what's been promised historically, where he's been let down, how he's felt. We're not aware of any of that. I can just look at the pitch and predict where we're going and and see somebody that could be really valuable for us, you know, going forward. And it just frustrates me that we are still having this discussion for a 24-, 25-year-old now. Not a child, you know. But, um, hey, that's my frustration. What about yourself? Anything there that you see that you think? Um, <clears throat> it's it's hard for me because I, I don't see any real solutions to problems, mm. personally. You think Terraria's um, done? Terraria's done. I, I do. And, and I... I'm not inclined to the, – the problem is the player that sits at the base of our defense, uh, of our midfield, has to be a ball progressor. He has to be. And that, I think, is the single biggest weakness in Torreira's game. I think he can give that little, you know, that little lateral pass, that square ball. But I, I don't think he's a great progressor of the ball. It may be one of the reasons Emery did try to play him higher up the pitch to yep. be a guy who can win it back high, you know, press, regain, I give it to someone. I didn't who think can, that was a bad move. Everyone it. laughed at it. I thought that's a smart way of using it. If you want to progress in a different yep. way, you want to press from the front. A smart way of using it. Yeah, and it's why I, I think the shielding midfielder idea is misunderstood, and I, I don't think it's – as great a role in the Premier League as people think. Like, people point to Conte as this shield. First of all, Conte is a generational player in terms of the ground he can cover, the engine that he has, and I think he's dramatically underrated in terms of what he does on the ball, both his passing and his carrying. He is a technically gifted footballer who just happens to also be a a vacuum cleaner, a, a hoover who can go around the pitch just collecting the ball wherever yeah. it may be. Um you know, I think Basuma's sort of in that category a little bit, but with less ball progression. I'll be curious to see how he does at Spurs. To be fair, they don't want the ball. So all he has to do is win it back and kick it long, and that suits them. <clears throat> I don't think Torreira has the range or the passing to really play that role. And so I'm inclined not to see him having a way back. Uh, David AFC8 on Twitter asks Clive, how do you unwind after speaking slash listening to Yankee Gunner for an hour? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying to learn that skill, actually. Um, it's something it, it's I'm trying easy. to work. My, my um, I'm trying to work well. through. You know, I've got all these mm-hmm. private messages telling me, don't let him do a video on Paquetta. <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. no there's no doing. chance. Doing you it. think this man is, is, is strong. He's powerful. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can just bu- I can just bully people with my small frame somehow. I must be like sack. I must ha- must have it all in my backside, my legs, my thighs. <clears throat> Gaslight Arsenal, which is an interesting Twitter handle, says you have a time machine and can bring back one player from Arsenal's history to solve a problem in the team, not some DIY you need a hand with. Darn it! Who would it be, Clive? One player you can bring back from the sorry, I missed the start of that from the from history, an Arsenal player you could bring into this team to solve a problem, not like solve a DIY problem, not like help you, you know, build a retaining wall outside your home. This is someone who's going to come into this team and solve a problem that this team needs solved. Okay, so I'm not going to pick the obvious, which is my favorite player in the history of Patrick mankind. Bierre. I'm not going to pick yep. him. I should have said you're not allowed to pick yeah, Patrick Yeah, because, you know, he fixes all problems of all scenarios, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see him in that midfield uh, on, the, on that left eight, and that would be the end of that, right? So, um, you know, uh, you know, in a, a player that I think I used to criticize a, a lot, um, but I think would do really well in, in the positional game, and he probably came along at the wrong time. Is um, is Theo Walcott? Funny enough, I think um, I think his his movement and his ability to move once and twice and really cut through teams as you progress the ball with good people behind him. I think he would find another dimension in this modern game. You know, I think he was a unique out to win running talent that we frustrated on the ball, but now we've got better people to bring him the ball. I think he could really cause people problems, you know, but um, a player that I feel was um, slightly underrated. That's somebody from an attacking point of view. I'm going to take a couple now, you got me thinking, Elliot, but <laughs> I do think, um, I do think somebody like Alexis Sanchez, really. Um, I think, that personality, I think, for me, he's been the best player in the, in the Emirates era. And when he was good, he was very, Who is this? Very, Sorry? Alexis Sanchez, right? So, um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think his personality up front to really take it to people. I think we've missed out. And I think the first time I've seen that since is probably the other day with Jesus. His ability to get it and take it to people and lead, you know, lead with your technical ability, intensity, and drive. I think it's something that we grew accustomed to and we've lost a bit of that in the Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe era. We just didn't feel that drive and intensity offensively that we used to have from Ossie Omri, Van Persie, Alexis, you know, even Walcott to a degree. People that really took it to their men and really had something that was very difficult to stop. Um, Aubameyang for a period had that in the FA Cup run. So he signed a contract and went away, right? So they'll be they'll be the two, you know, two or three, you know. Uh, <laughs> I bring back. <laughs> there are the dogs making an appearance. I think the correct answer is obviously Marrow and Shamak. I just think no, I'm kidding. Um, the correct answer is always Thierry Henry, but I feel like that's cheating. Yeah, too um, easy, too easy. Yeah, right. I mean, you take the thirty goals and ten assists and go win the league and have have a field day. The next correct answer is Dennis Bergkamp. Also too easy, but I think in this team, a forward who will get you goals but also play everybody in, yep, certainly a good one. 
You can make a very strong argument for Robert Perez because the left-hand side of our attack could use a little bit more creativity and a little bit more end product, and Martinelli and Smith-Rowe might have to wait their turn, but you put Robert Perez in there, and I think the attack looks pretty damn slick. Um, Patrick Vieira, obviously a great shout, but one that I would also take, always take, I mean, Robin Van Persie, also another one, just too... There's a certain level of quality where it doesn't matter what you have in a position. You just, you're upgrading massively when you take it. But how about assessed Fabregas in this team? I mean, what could you do? I mean, if you want to play him at that left eight, you can. You could play him at the base. But I mean, if you wanted to go with Cesc Fabregas, you know you're going to get goals and assists. And you know you're going to find those runs. So Saka is going to be played in. Jesus is going to be played in. Martinelli is going to be played in. I remember there was an interesting stat. Um, Cesc Fabregas led the league in through balls every season. And uh, it's not a stat we use a lot anymore, but I always thought it was funny. He had been in La Liga for two seasons, and he was still the Premier League leader in through balls for the previous five seasons, having only played three of the five seasons in the Premier League. So he's going to find those runners. I mean, as you say these names, you realize we have been blessed with some really uh, really sensationally talented You think about the inverted fullbacks (laughs) discussion we've been having. Well, you know, someone like Lauren as an inverted fullback on the right-hand side, I mean... You know, different role to what he used to play, but you know that's somebody that you know. It's interesting, Clive. Really do something. I'm just being a little bit yeah, it's sense, different because the obvious stars that we have, no, we I can know. all name them. So it is kind of weird, right? We wonder why we're not a top four team anymore, and how we've gotten where we've gotten. And is it Emery? Is it Arteta? What's the deal? But like, the funny thing is, you start saying names like Bergkamp, Henri, Pires, Vieira, Fabregas, Alexis, um, Van Persie. Do we have a single player of that quality in our squad right now? I mean, maybe Jesus will reach that level. Maybe Saka will reach that level. But it's like maybe Odegaard someday. I don't think we really appreciate. We had the best players in the league and maybe even in Europe at times. Always at least one of them for almost two decades. And we've gone through a period where we ha- we haven't really had someone who can make that claim since Alexis left, really. Yeah, acceptance of... Poor business decisions, uh, ownership drift, dual ownership, poor executives. That's changed in the last two, three years. Some of that's changed. People can debate by the degree of how much that's changed or improved. But he's changed. Something has happened. And I think we're getting better again. You know, there's more quality. We're starting to like people again. You know, and that's undeniable, right? That's undeniable. And there's so much more to come, you know, and that's the thing. Because of the ages, development is something that's um, almost hard to measure. It's hard to pace, but there's more to come, a lot more to come. And when people arrive with their sort of statement games, then we'll know, right? So um, the development side of it is so exciting, and that's the bit, mate. I I don't want to predict it. I I just can't wait for it. You know, I can't wait to see these yeah. players come out. Smith Rowe falls into that category. Martelli, so so many. Odegaard, he's got he's got work, he's got work to do, right? He dips in and out of games. And you think about the additions that we've done this summer already, mate. I'm 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 interested tactically, development wise. I'm I'm really interested to see what, what happens next. Really am. Yeah. No. I, I, sorry. Yeah. I I I am too. I mean because. You need one of these players, a Saka, a Smithrower, Martinelli, an Odegaard, you know, Gabriel Jesus certainly looks like you could, to, to develop into that level. Because, I mean, you wonder, where do the goals go? We had Henri and Pires and Bergkamp 
in the same team. We had Robin Van Persie and Cesc Fabregas in the same team. We had Peak Ozil and Alexis in the same team. Like that, you know, of course you're going to score goals. And so we, you know, we need to hit that level and we need that level of talent. That's the level of talent it takes to get there. And I mean, it pains me to say this, but like Spurs having peak son and peak Kane in the same team has been enough for them to play crappy, ugly football, right? With a pretty mediocre squad and get to the limit of their, of their ambition, which is top four. But like it, it, that's, that can be enough. And we, we need that up front, you know? Yeah. I, th- I suppose when we look back at football and I, you know, obviously I was there as well in that period and we get all nostalgic. We do think about the nice things, right? And, we don't think about the days when we went to Northwest and we we didn't we didn't run back and we got bullied around and kicked off pitches and or West the, London and lost six nil yeah <laughs> on Wenger's thousands game we don't think about those those things don't come to our memory so quickly mm-hmm. I I will I try to almost erase a, a period I didn't realize how painful it was until now you start to see the sunlight again but the period late Wenger and Baku you know that period was really quite bad. And that Christmas when Arteta was in charge and we were losing to Burnley at home, these are pretty low moments, right? And um, the lowest moments in my Arsenal watching life, without a doubt, without a doubt, when I really, really, really cared about Arsenal. Um, but things are changing. And um, I think some of the players that we're talking about now, I think we're going to talk about them in a really positive light going forward. You know, I think there's so much more to come. And I almost want to rid myself of... Um, that regime. There's a couple more things people hanging around and so are people on that tour that need to leave. I think sales will open up the next level of Arsenal. That could be the reason why we haven't bought Tielemans yet. It's because we're waiting for a sale. Because the squad number, the squad number is there. You know, that plane is heavy, man, on the way to the US. The squad number is there. There's some heavy numbers in there. That's not even a Lacazette joke this time. (laughs) There's some big numbers in there, some big wages in there, which are legacy wages. You know, I I don't want to kill him. It's his his life. But Runison's on potentially on 40K a week, depending on what you read. That's just legacy stuff. I can do his job for half that. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's legacy stuff, right? Um, Pepe again, you know, we know what his numbers are. Well, how do you move that number? You know, um, is there a chance for him to come back? You know, because we can't move him you know, because of what we've done financially. There's some legacy numbers there that we've done well to get out of some. There's more to do. So we've still got some housekeeping to do. So the next phase is being held back maybe by a little bit of sales, you know, four or five Bellerin Torreira, potentially Mel and Niles. You know, Pepe's got two years to go. This is a this is a problem, but we're not quite through the woods yet, mate, but we're on the way. We're on the way. Well said. Well, look, we know that it's the elite talent that we need. That is where we're at. And we know that you need it at Arsenal just as you need it in your business. And the place to find it is with Indeed. That's right. We're talking about the one hiring partner platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. We love Indeed, don't we? Indeed. Um, Indeed is not just a a one-stop shop for finding all the talent you need for your business. It saves you time and 
I keep reading that time is money. So I think that's something you'd want to save. And they have specific tools that aren't available other places like Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. There's also virtual interviews, and uh, I am working remotely while I'm here in Portugal. We are in a hybrid work environment. Those of us who are fortunate enough to have the chance to work virtually understand that a virtual office, a virtual work experience is part of really the expectation, I think, these days. And as a result, it makes sense that the interview process should be able to be conducted that way, saves time, saves energy, and allows you to expand the field of candidates that you're looking at. So with Indeed's virtual interviews, you can interview from wherever you want. It saves you time. You can message schedule and interview top talent seamlessly. Do it all in one place. There's no downloads or plugins or purchases. And most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, right? So the best part about Indeed that I always talk about is that you only it's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. So let's do this. Sign up for Indeed now. Get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 in extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit indeed.com slash Blue Wire. To learn more, claim your credits at indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed, Clive? Is that enough of that? Indeed. 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 So, um, we've got a few more questions to take. And let me see. I've got a couple teed up here that I think are pretty interesting. Um, so Amiram11 on Discord, Amiram11, it's hard. There's a lot of M's and, and not a lot of vowels. In the, I think it's Amir, and then with three M's and the number 11. Anyway, uh, asks, in terms of rivals for top four, whose transfer business so far has impressed you the most? Clive, we've talked about the ones that haven't impressed us, and I do think we see things through an arsenal lens sometimes, but surely someone has impressed you and I I am going to um, invite you now to weigh in on which of these phenomenal clubs that you support other than Arsenal has impressed you so much um, well actually none of them really have overly impressed me oh boy here we go here we go is this an <laughs> Arsenal podcast Th- this podcast is bias yeah. bias in this Arsenal podcast no let's you know we spoke like I said there's a bit of transition on going I think Manchester Manchester United not done yet and so see what they do. And we learn about a manager. He he played his 4 3 3 the other day, inverted fullbacks and pressures from the front. Marcus Rashford has been in the gym, he looks amazing. So that would be interesting. They've got talent aplenty, just no one knew how to tell them where to stand and how to play. And Ten Hag knows that. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do. So I find them interesting again. Spurs are Spurs, they're fancying themselves at the moment and all their ex-players are coming out saying we're going to win the league. So, you know, I've, I've been alive a long time and it hasn't happened, right? So uh, let's see what happens there. Um, I'll tell you what interests me more, Elliot, is what's going on at places like Leeds, Notts Forest, mm. Crystal Palace, Brighton. They're, and I know it's something that we've spoken, we speak about a lot on the podcast around recruitment, around business models. And what um, Jesse March is doing at Leeds, I think he's... So exciting! Some of the players that he's bringing in and could bring in, you know, some of the Red Bull players, for example, some of them from the US, you know. So, um, and so, yeah, I think that's exciting. What Forest are doing with some of their buys, you know, looking at Amari Richards, they just got him in. 
some of their centre mids and defenders, new names, players that we looked at in the past that may need a step club. I think Chris Page is putting a centre midfielder, I think Czech Tikori, I think his name is, something like that. I probably got that wrong. But mm. again, a player that we've been linked to. You know, I, I'm looking at these clubs and they're smart, mate. They're really smart and they're buying well. You know, people, these teams, lots of teams are going to different parts of the world to get their players in. And that lifts the quality, that lifts the floor of the Premier League and it makes those games that we think are winnable just not winnable. You know, Newcastle got all the money in the world. They're not really going big yet. They brought in Sven Botman, a proper centre-back that can build up play. You know, if they were to come and get Paqueta with Bruno Guimarães, their midfield would look very, very good really quickly. Callum Wilson is back in if they are to buy a forward, you know, a potential right forward with a left foot coming in, you know. Say they went for Musa Diaby and spent the money on him and then have, you know, a front three of Maximum on one side and Musa Diaby the other and Callum Wilson down the middle with Paqueta and Bruno in midfield. They've got central defenders coming in. They've got Trippier in that team. You've got Matt Target in that team. I think they've got a new goalkeeper. Nick, I think they've got Nick Pope today. I think they did. I'm not too sure. But they've got a new goalkeeper coming. They're building a level of quality slowly. You know, and I think there's transition all over the league. It's why I keep feeling this at the moment. Lots of unknowns. People feel it's known, but lots of unknowns. So I think it's going to be so interesting to see how people develop, how quickly they settle, how quickly they settle to a plan, how their coaches are strong to implement a game plan they can see consistently. And that's where I think we have a bit of a leg up because Arteta has formulated himself towards the end of last season, since last Christmas, into a 4-3-3. And we're now buying for specifics. And I think that's where we have an advantage. If we can get the goals and get the forwards to click, I think we got a chance to really start this season well. But if we don't, I think the ramifications could be quite loud. I feel that. You mm. know, I think Arsenal fans didn't like seeing us 20th last season after three games. Not something we want to go through again. We have an expectation this year and I think um we need to meet we need to meet it, mate. We need to meet those expectations. Yeah. It it's so hard not to compare two things sometimes, even if those two things are not comparable. And I think last August and this August are inapposite in the sense that not only did we do late transfer business last August, but we also had the COVID absences and we had two of the first three games being games that we were going to be significant underdogs in anyway, right? So if you if you take the Brentford game out of the equation. It's Chelsea and it's City, and we could have had all our business done and still lost both of those games. So um, this this summer is very different in the sense that we have the better squad that we did build last season. We do have additions already in the fold, and we're not playing any of those teams in August. But again, you want to be as strong as possible because it's the one guy you add the first week of August who plays in the third game, who gets you a goal in the 88th minute, who turns a draw into a win, who gets you top four that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. The margins are that fine. I, I do think like City look like the obvious team to me that just are a juggernaut, and I don't see that changing. So, But I, I don't know that I consider them a rival for top four at this point. No, like, someday maybe, but not now. Let's do a couple quick hitters. Um, Paul Goins at Tall Gooner Paul on Twitter 
Clive, he asks, if the only offer we get for Pepe is a loan with no obligation to buy, do we let him go or keep him? I'd say we probably let him go um, because I think he needs to play for somebody that wants to play him, that really believes in him. I think we're losing him as a as a person. You know, I remember the time he went to the Palace game and I said to you, I saw him not looking at the ball when the goalkeeper had it, walking to one side, not looking engaged. I said to you, Elliot, trouble, mate, trouble. Because you can play bad, but you've got to look engaged. And after that game, he didn't play for a long time. So something broke in him that day. After the Wolves game, I thought he was back. I thought, here we go, he's back. Look at this performance when he came on and we got the late winner, etc. Then, then he was sat down again. So something's not right. You know, things not right in his relationship with the manager. The manager doesn't quite trust him. That, that happens, by the way. That happens all the time. This is not, like, unique to him. Manager doesn't fancy player shock. It happens, right? Manager has a favourite, likes to play this player all the time. Even when he's having a bad game, never comes off the pitch. It happens because he, he just trusts people. And that will always happen in the game of football. But we've made an investment in this guy. And it's not about recovering that investment. If you're not going to play him, you've got to be fair to his career. He's 26, 27. Go play. Go play. And within that time, he could market himself into a position where we do restore the asset. Is that the words you need to say? Restore the asset a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and he finds himself a home. So I, I hope he find, I, I hope for him he plays this season. If it's with us in a more trusted role or it's elsewhere, he just needs to play. Yeah. A um, lot of questions, Clive, about left back. So I'll go with AFC underscore badge at conveniently AFC underscore yeah. badge. After missing out on Martinez, what I think is so interesting, by the way, is we've all just accepted that Martinez was a left back target for us. Like, I, I love how that's just become the thing because I actually tend to agree with that. Um, after missing out on Martinez, should we revisit the left back situation next summer and focus on different target now, targets now? Or is it essential that we sort it out? It's a great question, Clive, because the other thing is there were a lot of rumors of a loan for Tavares, for Tavares going out. Um, so w- what do you think the situation is with left back? Is it essential to be sorted now? Yeah, I might be the wrong person to ask here, Elliot, but um, because... Yeah, well, because you rate Tavares. Well, I, I don't... I- idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Um, <laughs> I don't dislike him as, as some do. You know, and uh, and I think yeah. there's work. No, I read him. I read him. So. Yeah, I, I think I think that it's it's my nature, right? I like broken soldiers. I, I think if if someone can be fixed, I'll always find a way to fix them. So, yeah, you can criticize me if you want, but I don't think it's as bad as what people are saying is. But again, a tactical fit, right? So, tactical fit. His issue for me is deep deep ball progression and how he exits how he exits certain zones of the pitch. He wants to run the ball out when he needs to learn how to combine, clip it, and then go after it. You know, so again, I think it's, it's composure. I think it can be taught how you do backward running to create separation, to create more time for you to do what you want to do on the ball. This can all be taught. He just needs time on the pitch. Is, is that Arsenal's pitch or is it somebody else's pitch? I'm not so sure. Martinez got nothing to teach him when it comes to deep ball progression and, and stopping transition tackles. Nothing to teach him. Because we can all see that from YouTube, and the way he, uh, the way he smashes people early in the, in the in the transition to create offensive transitions, 
So he would have been a fit in that role. Whether he liked it or not is another story. I saw a couple of rumors we spoke before the podcast, didn't we, about, um, how would I say his name now? Mikola um, Matyenko. Uh, Shakhtar. Shakhtar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shakhtar did it. And I had a quick look at him last night, and I realized we were linked to him a couple of years ago. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me, a left-footed centre, backstroke, um, left-back, mobile, about 5'10", 5'11", good player. And I remember looking at him when he, when he came up, and I, and I always liked him. The reason why he popped up on our radar, I think he played against Man City once in Champions League and had an outstanding game. And Man City looked at him, and obviously Arteta was, was around at that point. And so, yeah, that link's been around. I prefer him to uh, Grimaldo, shall we say? Just, just a, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> don't laugh because there are people that really rate Grimaldo, but I, pref- mm. I prefer um, Matt Bianco. That's the way to say it. Matt Bianco. That, that I prefer that player just based on clips. Never seen a full game, although I did see that Man City game. But it was a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm open to this. I'm open to Nuno and Tierney developing into the the role as Arteta wants it. I think they can do it. I like their defensive presence. I don't think they're easy to to beat. I just think we need a little bit more security on the ball. And they could both be fine. Or, but I'll tell you now, there's a debate to say they could both go at some point in the next year. Easy. Mm. You know, you can see it, can't you? you, you so, but they're here. I tend to analyse people differently during the season and in off-season. In off-season, when the squad can change... I'm a little bit more, yeah, you know what? That can, he needs to go. Or he needs, because uh, it can happen. In the season, I tend to be a little bit more solution based because they can't go anywhere. So, what's the solution? You know? So, um, so yeah, let's, what's his space, right? What's his space? I, I think everything's open at left hand side. Back to pre season again. We'll know a lot more in a week and a half. You know, we really will. How where Nuno is, where Tierney is, fitness wise, can we see their roles changing? These are one of the learning experiences we got coming up in the next few days. Yep, well said, Clive. Another quick hitter, Isaac at AFC underscore Isaac Paqueta or Tielemans. You must choose. Oh, for you. that last bit. Did you put that on the end? <laughs> no, I, I swear. I swear it's in the tweet. I swear. Are you, I must choose. You must choose. Well, with my. Because I'm a natural pragmatist, I, I go for I go for Tielemans because I've seen him play many games of football. And I also think, even though he plays a lot of righty, I think it'd be good to have a righty coming in on that side and smashing shots coming in where you can see the whole pitch. I quite like that idea. And, uh, you know, I've also seen him run through Chelsea's midfield and stick the ball in the top corner in an FA Cup final. So I know he can play at this level. Now, Paqueta now, if I look at him, and I just see all the lovely things in football. But I don't know if he can do it. You know, and I said, I was on a podcast this week, and I sort of said, there comes a point in this project where we don't want to have too many projects within it. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? And would Paqueta would potentially be a, another project as we develop him and settle him? Whereas I think Tienemans comes in and just says, "Yeah, I know what to do. Give me the ball." 
And how do we feel when Jesus came in? I know what to do. Give me the ball. Settled. Day one. 90 seconds, the ball's in the back of the net. This stuff means something to us. We talk about points in August matter. Sometimes just do what's obvious. So I choose Tielemans, even though I love Paquette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think to your point about pragmatism, right? Like there, there is this feeling that we can just like get Tielemans and he'll do a job that will be better than the job being done at that position, we believe. And we kind of get a sense of what he'll bring. And it feels, you know, particularly known and he's right into his prime now and and he's not super expensive. And it just, it just doesn't feel like a roll of the dice. Every signing is a roll of the dice, mm. but it doesn't feel that way. Whereas Paqueta, I think in terms of pure, exciting talent, you know, a lot of times these players that play in leagues we don't watch as closely <clears throat> feel like, they're they're more talented just because we can breathe all of our hopes and dreams into them and we don't know any of their weaknesses or flaws because yeah. we haven't seen it, right? Um, so Paquetta might be the more talented one, but to me, like, Tielemans is a good player. We did a scouting video on him, Clive. He's he he's probably a little misunderstood because he had a weird season for Leicester this past season, but he, I believe he's, he substantially strengthens us in the exact kind of way we're crying out for. Yeah, he's got personality one up. So we know what we have in the base on midfield. We know the options there. But one up on either side, doesn't matter. He he takes responsibility. He's, a, he's, just, a, he's just a midfielder. He receives on back foot either side and moves it quickly, very quickly, directly. Pace of pass is stunning. Shooting around the edge of the area is unreal. You know, so sweeping crosses. I just don't think this. Yeah, I look at him and sometimes think, oh, you got run past there. But I'm thinking, okay, we just invert fullbacks behind you. Don't worry. We'll look after you. You know, put you in a cradle. I think there's so much there, mate. And um, much like Jesus, just sometimes just get the guy, put him in there, and make other people compete with him. Lift the level. That's how we go. If we'll lift the level, we have to do, we have to bring people in to lift the level. We can't always develop mm-hmm. to that level, you know? So um, yeah, that's why I am with it. It is interesting. I think like we've gotten. We've we've sort of re-fallen in love with the team. A lot of people have anyway, and that's understandable. And a lot of that's based around the young players. And that's a mm. really fun way to do it. But I think we've forgotten that, like, it can't all be that. There have to be some established prime age players who are just grown-ups in the game, right, and know what to do the minute they hit the pitch <clears throat> and deliver a little more consistently. So we do have to be careful about that balance. Let me ask you one that I think is sort of interesting, Clive. Um because I hadn't really thought about it. It's not It's not an area of football that I think about a lot, which is sort of the, the way the players engage in the dressing room. But Callum White at Callum underscore GU on Twitter says, do we have a risk of developing a Brazilian slash Portuguese speaking click, 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 and is it something to be worried about or a positive thing? And I'll combine that with Steve Jenner's question from Discord where he says, in, you know, in terms of Arteta breaking dressing room clicks, he saw the photos of the players on the plane to the U.S., and he noted that Saliba was sitting with Pepe, Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah, Saka and Balogun, Marquinhos, Jesus, Martinelli, Vieira, and Cedric together in a row, and then Gabby with Nuno. Um, anything to worry about? I mean, it is interesting. Maybe this is just how football clubs work. You speak the same language, you're likely going to sit next to players who can understand what the hell you're talking about. But do we have a potential clique problem or you know, a, a balkanization of the squad into... 
the languages they speak or the regions they come from? Yeah, in the in the modern game, in the modern Premier League game now, where you get people of all parts of the world, I'm sure it's a challenge for every club, right? Because you have, you know, you just you stand next to people that you know you can connect to, and and that's just the way of the world, right? So when you're a group, there's a common language, there's a common nomenclature, right? So there's a football language that needs to exist. There are rules, and they are, and they are. In one language, generally, and uh, and they encourage people to normally do the language of the where the club is, and that's normally English, right? So, and you have to get to that point. You know, Gabriel's first season, there were issues with his ability to speak the language that seems to have changed, and now he seems far more part of the group, right? So, I'm not overly worried, although, as I say that, there was a Monday night football one to gain level, and he spoke about the French Mafia Arsenal and he really was looking at Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe and he sort of went a bit early on a critique and he sort of said there's a problem there I think they're causing the manager a problem and I always think sometimes when an an ex-pro says something like that a little bit clumsily is that he's heard something he's been given some information Mm. he's trying to find the right way to opine it you know and at the right moment and people sort of ignored it, but I always remembered it. It stuck in my mind. And two of those three have gone now. And there's one more left. And I'm not sure if that group and that £175 million worth of transfer fee was something that's seen as a positive at the club towards the end of their reign, shall we say. And I think when we get out of that, I, I don't think there'll be too many people unhappy in the club. Lots of guessing. I've spoken positively about all of those players in the past because they're Arsenal players and we want them to work out for us. You know, and I think some of them are mistreated in the past. When it comes down to it, those three pieces of business could be questioned and really questioned, Elliot, if we were to really go into it. That's a huge investment. And for what? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean... We've already questioned them, so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's only going to be further questioned. I think we should leave it there. There's going to be um, some Patreon content coming out in the next couple of days, including, unless the rumors die out, the Paqueta scouting video that nobody wants us to do that we're going to do regardless. There's going to hopefully be instant reactions after the preseason games. What with me being in Europe um, and them happening at like midnight – It's going to be um, a little tricky, but I think we can still make them happen. So stay tuned. Lots more to come as the preseason rolls on. Obviously, the emergency podcast when all the signings start uh, being airlifted over to to the U.S. for us. We'll we'll get on top of that. So I hope everyone's doing well, uh, enjoying their summer a bit, trying to slowly ratchet up the anxiety about the new season and not just get all the way to 100 right away because there's still time. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Thanks, everybody. We love you so much. Tim and Scott and Paul and everybody, obviously, back on a future episode. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Transfer window now.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.